Good morning, Redemption Church. I am so glad you're here. It's a cool thing to watch that video because I know at least 70 people in our church that would do at least one of those things that we're showing the video. So that's kind of who we are, which is kind of neat. Hey, my name is Pastor Scott. Uh, our lead pastor, our teaching pastor, Pastor Matt, is on a vacation, a much-needed vacation. I was trying to figure out how long it had been since he'd been on vacation. I know it's over 18 months, but I'm not sure how far it goes back. So you can be praying for he and his family as they enjoy their time away. And before I get started in the message, there's one thing I'm excited to share. A lot of you guys remember a very generous family in our church donated uh, $750,000 toward the building fund and that they will match to other donations. So if you give a dollar, they will match it one for one. We still have some money in that account left over. As of Friday, we had $289,000. So if you guys got, you know, if you need to go through your couch, look underneath the seat or whatever, if you got some money to put in, please uh, prayerfully consider doing that between now and the end of the year, and it'll be matched one for one, all right? So we are here this morning continuing the series on crazy stuff Christians should do, and this morning our topic is rebel, go to church more often than the lunar eclipse. Now, the, the irony is not lost on me that since we're here and since we're watching online, church has some importance to you, right? But I'm still going to go forward and maybe better equip us to know what God has planned for his church and for us individually, and maybe to help other people that may be uh, unclear on that. Um, I want to also define that there are several meanings to the word church in Christendom, right? We are not we are not just attending church, we are the church, right? That's the first word, is we are the, the church of Jesus Christ right now, that we are assembling together for a church meeting, and then sometimes those meetings take place in a church. So it's three times that we, that we assign different meetings to church, but this morning, we're basically focusing on the gathering together of God's people as the church. And if I say that I am a Christian, but I don't attend church very often, I am not alone. Over 70% of the people in the United States still identify as Christians, and of those, less than 30% said they regularly attend church, and that was pre-COVID. Okay, so if, if I say those things, I mean, I am not by myself. And then, so what today, I wanted to see what's the crazy part of going to church. Well, it's, I'm going to tell you why the Bible says to go to church, and it may not be what you think. It probably won't. As I was preparing for this talk, I did some research. There are several uh, research groups that polled uh, people that claim Christ and don't go to church, the reasons they gave not going to church. So I've, I've compiled those. They're not in order, but they're pretty interesting. Twelve most common reasons Christians don't go to church. Number one, I've been hurt at church. It's full of hypocrites. I fear being judged. I don't have the time. My church is my garage, my sewing room, the duck blind, whatever. I feel closest to God when I'm hiking, gardening, boating, riding. I'm not a people person. The church only wants my money. I've already read the Bible all the way through, and I've heard it all. It does not feed me. It's boring. I don't like the music, the coffee, the donuts, the sermon, the waivers, the way we take communion, whatever. Fill in your own blank. So those are the top most common reasons. And the, our, our passage this morning is going to be in Hebrews, in chapter 10. If you haven't downloaded our app now, we have a free app that if you, you can go to either of the stores, look up Redemption Church Duval, and you can download that. It has notes in there, and also the scriptures are in there. But this is a letter written to the, 
to the Hebrews and it's a group of Christians that there's some issue with, right? It's, it's either Christians that are questioning others' Christian commitment or maybe they're questioning their own devotion to Christ. Okay, that's really what Hebrews is all about. And we're going to read Hebrews 10 starting at verse 23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So will you join me in prayer? Lord, I pray uh, for your presence here this morning. I pray that you would remove any distractions, um, anything that are competing for our attention as we focus on your word and your intention for the church. I pray that you would speak to us. Let me get out of the way. Say what you want to say, Lord, and just prepare our hearts. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've broken down those 12 reasons into three groups because I thought there were some similarities. The first one is my history. My history is I've been hurt at church, it's full of hypocrites, and I fear being judged. And to that I say, yep, probably happened, right? Those are the hardest ones to, to argue with, I think, because it probably did happen. And it reminded me of one of my favorite philosophers, Groucho Marx said, I refuse to join any club that would have me as a member because the church is made up of imperfect people, right? We're going to mess up. It's not full of full of perfect people that, that gather together. It's for people that Jesus is trying to make perfect, right? Jesus is trying to sanctify us. So my contention is that if you've been going to church and you've never hurt someone or offended someone or judged someone, you probably haven't been going to church very long, okay? I'm speaking for myself. It happens, right? And yes, there are certainly churches that are poisonous cultures, and those should be avoided, but you're not going to one right here, and there are probably others to choose from as well. So as long as you find a church that is, that is teaching Orthodox Christianity, is, is trying to strive to be like Jesus, and is grace-based, we should be good. It'll be a place for us to grow. And the idea that I, I don't go to church anymore because I was hurt, I read a book by David Geisler that addressed this really well. He was talking to a college student, I think, who said, yeah, you, do you go to church? And they said, no, I don't go to church anymore because I was hurt at church. And he said, well, have you ever gotten food poisoning in a restaurant? And they said, oh yeah, I got food poisoning in a restaurant. He goes, did you ever go back to that restaurant? No, no, I would not go back to that restaurant. He goes, did you ever go to another restaurant? Yeah, went to another restaurant. So he just kind of, I think he dropped his mic and walked off. But I thought it was the same way at church that, yeah, there are, things happen, right? Things happen at church. And the first question, if you're following on in your notes, is if I've not forgiven those who have hurt me, I am not following Christ's teaching. It would be ironic if we left church over an incident because we haven't forgiven somebody for hurting us, wouldn't it? It'd be kind of like, you know, I don't go to hospitals because it's full of sick people, right? Well, if I'm having a heart attack, I'm going to the hospital. Even though it might be full of other people having heart attacks, I'm going there, right? I'm not going to go to only a hospital where everybody's well. We're all... On the, on the path to become sanctified through Christ. Question number two says, the fact that Jesus set up his church with flawed leaders and attenders is not a condemnation of the church, but rather a testament to Jesus' grace and redemption. Think about that. 
if, if it was required that only sinless people attended church, there would be a mass exit out that door, right? I would be leading. The purpose of church is to minister to people that screw up. All right, group two. Group two is it's not working for me. Of the 12 reasons Christians don't go to church, it's not working for me. I don't have the time. I heard recently say that, well, Sunday is now our family time. Okay, you don't have the time. My church is my garage, my sewing room, the duck blind. I feel closest to God when I'm hiking, gardening, boating, riding. I'm not a people person, and the church only wants my money. Now, at least some of these had to be a problem 2,000 years ago for the book of Hebrews to be written like it is. So these aren't new. These aren't just, just to uh, the last you know, 18 months or the, the stress that we've been under as of late, right? It's been, it's been going on a long time. And it looks like when you read carefully through Hebrews that the Christians had either gotten complacent and lazy or they didn't think they needed church or they didn't think that church needed them, right? Question number three says, it's not about duty, it's about benefit. There are tremendous benefits by being a member of a body of Jesus lovers. I can attest fully to that. If you want to hear stories, come up to me. I will attest fully to this. Question four says, I will benefit from the community. I will benefit from the community. Galatians 6 is one of my life verses. 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This became really clear to me a couple of years ago. I was asked to serve on a secular task force in the valley that was addressing some of the struggles that teenagers were facing. And they had, again, this was a secular, secular thing. It was made up of educators and counselors and all these different people. And they had a mom speak the first time, and, and she shared this, this terrific thing that she had to go, really, really tough thing, where she discovered something about her son, her teenage son, at 11.30 on a Friday night. And she didn't know what to do. And she didn't know who to call. Because she knew the school wasn't open. She didn't have any access to her school counselor or a private counselor. You can't, you can't call a counselor out of the phone book. They're not going to answer at 1130 on a Friday night. She knew it wasn't a situation where she'd get a, a hold of uh, friends of youth. And it wasn't something that the police would help with or the fire department. She was alone. And she was totally without support. Now, again, I'm sitting there. They knew I was a pastor, but I'm sitting there, and it's a secular thing, and I'm thinking, I know the answer to this. Like, I want to start, I know the answer to this. I know the answer to this, but that's not what she was looking for. She, they were looking for to solve this in a secular fashion where it had already been solved 2,000 years ago. The part of the benefit of being part of a, a community of believers is the support. And I knew. I could have shared with her. I have dozens of people I could call at 1130 on, on Friday night, and they would be there to help me. I have a bunch of people that I could call at 3.30 in the morning on a Friday and say, I need $10,000 and two goats and a slip and slide at my house in the next 30 minutes, and they would just say, okay, I'm on the way. And I'm not, that is a slight exaggeration. It probably wouldn't be a real slip and slide. It would probably be Visqueen or some, <laughs> some bags taped together. I don't know, but they would be there. I know. I know this for a fact. It has other benefits, being a member of the body of believers. Get this. This is a, this is a secular study, a 15-year 15 15 study of 70,000 healthcare professionals. And of those that said they regularly attended church, said this. 
they were 29% less likely to become depressed. They were 50% less likely to divorce. They were five times less likely to commit suicide. And they were 33% less likely to die in the following 16-year period. What other institution can claim anything like that? That's reason enough right there. We, 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 can't go, we are not intended to go through life alone. That's not how God designed us. When Jesus started his church, he could have said, okay, you're my follower now. What I want you to do, I'm going to give you some scripture. You go be a hermit. I want you to get away from everybody else and just go by yourself. And until you die, I want you to read in a cave. Pray and read in a cave. That's not what he said. He formed the church. He died with the church, the church community. And question five says, my community will benefit from me. Remember, it says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, encouraging one another. It's a big part of what we do at church, right? That's what we're supposed to do, bear each other's burdens. Question six says, other Christians in the church may need my, encourage, my love, my encouragement, my service, my teaching, my kindness, and my compassion. And I've been a Christian a long time, been around church a long time. I've never had somebody say, no, I left the church because I just couldn't seem to stir others to good works, right? I don't think that those have ever been uttered, right? It's always other things. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, for just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, and so it is with Christ, you guys all know, right, when you start following Christ, you're given spiritual gifts, right? The best place to use those is in church, right? That's part of the reason why we gather together. And I know that there's a lot of gearheads here that are just dying to know why there's a carburetor sitting on this table. You haven't heard a word I've said up until now because you're just staring at the carburetor. I know who you are. I see you out there. Okay. I use this because if you think about the church being formed as a body with many pieces, kind of like a carburetor. Carburetor is a machine, a pretty simple machine that mixes air and fuel and allows the engine to function, right? And it's about, this one's a pretty simple one, and it is about, uh, I don't know, 40 parts maybe. And if I remove one part, and it's a little part, and you guys in the back, I'm sorry, there's an advantage of sitting in the front sometimes for the objects lessons. So if I remove this, this is an idle set screw. And if you move that from the carburetor, it stops functioning like it's supposed to. It'll still work. I have a 68 Volkswagen Beetle manual transmission, and if I had my set screw go out one time, and it works fine, but instead of needing four appendages to come to a stop, I needed five. Okay, because you have to kind of play around. So you need either a helper or you're double, double teaming with one of the arms, right? And that's how it is with church. No matter who we are, if we are not serving in a church, if we're not involved in a family of believers, there's something that's not being done as well as it could be. Because I do believe that God supernaturally engineers who attends churches. So maybe somebody is filling in for us, or maybe it's not getting done, or maybe it's just stalling every time it goes through an intersection like my Volkswagen would, right? There's some reason why we're supposed to be part of the church, and, and we are engineered to be there through God's hand. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. 
Hebrews 10.22 says, let us live out our faith. Let us hold on to hope. Let us encourage one another to love. If we are Christians, this is part of what it means to be a Christian. Right? It's not, it's not a spectator sport. Right? We're to be involved. I was thinking about if I claim to be a soccer player, I'm a soccer player. I am all about the soccer. I read the soccer books. I watch the soccer videos. I watch the matches on TV. I take the ball out in the field and I kick it around. I condition myself. I am a really good runner and I am all about it. I'm, I'm, I'm doing header. I'm not really, but I'm, so, I'm, so forgive me if I'm saying anything that's ridiculous. But I'm, I'm really working hard to be a soccer player, right? If I do all those things, but I don't go to practices and I don't go to games, I don't I'm something, but I'm probably not a soccer player. Maybe I have some passion about soccer in some way, but if I'm not involved in the, the, the intention of, of being a soccer player, probably not that. We are all part of this family that God created, right? We're supposed to interact like that. Now, we're in a special time, and we've been blessed in the last 19 months in a way that we couldn't have been 15 years ago. The fact that COVID has affected so many of us, some, it, for some people, it's too dangerous for them to come in person, right? So I'm glad that there are people watching. There are other people that, you know, can't get out of the house or there's some other issue. Maybe it's traveling, whatever it is. And I'm telling you, we are very blessed through this that we've had the technology to continue to function as a church without missing a beat. But I do think if we're meeting online, we're, we're missing something, Okay. I would certainly encourage everybody that's watching at home to continue to watch. But perhaps you need to get linked up with somebody that can be ministering to you through a small group, right, through a Zoom group or, or through phone calls or something like that. We are not to operate in isolation. It's not what Jesus intended. And I think the temptation is to consider that it is the same. But if we look at so many books in the New Testament, Galatians, Corinthians, Hebrew, they're all of them almost, they're all written to a bunch of believers. They're not written to individuals, right? It's how God formed the church. And what my fear is, because that some of us have developed a habit of doing church at home. And again, there, I know there are some people that can't. They cannot come. And I am so glad you're watching. But if you can, I'd like you to start to re-examine that, that maybe it's time for you to get back and and, and interact with your brothers and sisters. Question eight says, love, encouragement, service, teaching, kindness, and compassion can't take place in isolation. It requires somebody else. All right, the third group, I'm past this. Twelve reasons why Christians give for not going to church, I'm past this, and that is, I've already read the Bible all the way through, and I've heard it all. It does not feed me. It's boring, and I don't like something. I don't like, I like to sit in pews, or I like to sit in chairs, or whatever it is. There's something you don't like. And for this, I wanted to look at the example of Jesus. We're all Jesus followers, right? Or most of us, I think, are Jesus followers. Luke 4.16 says, Jesus went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. So, what do we take away from this? We're, we're Jesus followers. This is something Jesus did, as was his custom. Jesus, this is number nine, Jesus prioritized going to church. This one convicts me a little bit because Jesus is traveling, right? 
And I'm, I think I miss out. When I'm on vacation or, or traveling for some reason, I don't go to church, I think, man, that is, I'm missing out because I could meet. Imagine if, if I told you, guess what? We've discovered that you have 75 cousins you've never met. And they're meeting on the coast. They're meeting ocean shores. Man, I'd be all, hey, I want to meet my cousins, right? This is better. This is our brothers and sisters. So that convicts me that when we're traveling, I need to prioritize more going to church, right? Make that part of my vacation. The other thing is, so Jesus is going to church. He's going to the synagogue. Do you think Jesus going to the synagogue learned anything that he didn't learn already, that he didn't already know? Do you think he was like, oh, Psalms 23, that, that is good. I don't think that, right? He went for other reasons. Jesus would never go into the synagogue and say, I'm not being fed. I'm out of here, right? But I've heard that from people sometimes when they say, well, uh, I stopped going to church. I'm not being fed. I'm not being fed. Okay, I'm not being fed. You're not being fed. And I think, well, if you've been a Christian more than a couple of months, maybe you've been a Christian three years or 10 years or 40 years, I don't think I'm not being fed should probably ever come out of your mouth because maybe it's time for me as a Christian, if I've been an, a, a Christian for 40 years, that I should be looking how to feed others, right? Now, maybe, maybe I can do teaching. Maybe I can serve to allow somebody else to do teaching. Maybe I can, you know, use my gifts of hospitality or, or giving or prayer. Whatever it is, there's something that, that God needs me to do in my church so I can't get out of it by saying it's not feeding me anymore. I used to say, I don't know, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this at the staff meeting, but I used to say, we need to take off our diapers and put on our apron, right? Because we can't be expecting people to hand us a bottle for, for decades, right? It might be time for us to move forward and say, how can I feed others? So number 10 is Jesus did not go to church to be fed. By the way, Jesus is busier, was busier at the time than you or I. Guaranteed. No matter how busy you are, you might be working three jobs and driving kids to soccer and serving at the, at the food bank and doing all kinds of things, getting your PhD, whatever it is, Jesus was busier than you, but he made it a priority. He, Jesus was camping and couch serving, right, for three years, and he was going, he was lecturing people, and every time he went anyplace, people were all over him, and he was doing miracles and healing, and he's avoiding the authorities. He's busier than you or I, but he made it a priority. If anyone had a great excuse not to go to church, it was Jesus. Here's one. Number 11. The church is Jesus' bride. That's how the Bible refers to the church, as Jesus' bride. Men are very familiar with this passage, I hope. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, if you and I are developing a friendship, like, um, you know, we're going out for coffee and we're getting to know each other and, you know, we're sharing our struggles and we're praying for each other and we're really investing in each other. So we're, we're making a new friend. And Jesse, I do make new friends. Okay, I know it seems surprising to most of you, but Jesse knows I can make new friends. All right, so we're going out, we're having coffee, we're praying for each other, we're really investing, we're, 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 we're dropping the walls between us, right? And we seem to be getting along, we have a lot in common. And, and this other person says, Scott, I really like you. I'm really enjoying the time we have together. But you know, I don't dig your wife, Patty. In fact, I hate your wife, Patty. Now, that is instantly going to change our relationship. 
Because Patty and I have been married for 40 years, been greatly blessed. We, God sees us as one creature now, right? She's the most important person on earth to me. And so if you tell me that you hate my wife, our relationship is wounded. And that's, a couple years ago, there was this trend going through. We'd have people on social media and say, I love Jesus. It's probably still going on. I love Jesus, but I hate his church. I, it, I cannot believe that Jesus is cool with that. It, it does not make any sense to me. And my thing is, if, if I'm saying that, I'm saying I really love Jesus, but I hate his church, I think I need to examine, do I love Jesus? Maybe I don't fully understand Jesus. Maybe I don't know why Jesus came to earth to die for his bride. I think I might be deceiving myself on some level if I'm not affected by that. The first generation Christians that the Hebrews are here lived out their faith in an atmosphere of community. So why would we assume that we don't have to do the same thing? Now remember, <laughs> it's a lot easier. I know we have to do masks and we have to do all these different things, right? We have to travel really busy. But the first century, they had to hide to go to church, right? It wasn't just like we just get in the minivan and come down here and pick up a donut and come inside, man. This is, this is really a, a major task to go to church, but yet they made it a priority. And one of the things I see of all the 12 reasons that Christians give for not attending church regularly is it's all about me. All those reasons, if you look them down, it's all about me. And it's not all about me. It's all about us. It should all be about us. Right? Not as individuals. Now, again, certain circumstances may preclude me from going to church for a time. Again, I am thrilled you guys are on there. Keep it up. Keep coming back. But let's, let's work really hard. If you can come back, start praying to Jesus. Can you free this up? In fact, when we close, let's pray that God takes this virus away from the earth. This is, this is not God's doing. This is devil's doing. And I know he's been thrilled because he's kept a lot of people away from church through it. So... We need to remember to pray for that. I know there are some of us here who are bottom line people. Say, All right, Scott, you've been going on for a time here. Do I have to go to church to be a Christian? That's what I want to know. Do I ha yes or no? Do I have to go to church to be a Christian? Hang on. When I was a youth pastor, I knew, I learned pretty early on, if I wanted to double my, my midweek attendance, all I had to do was promote for a couple weeks that I was going to be preaching on dating and sex. If you did that, teens are very interested in those topics, and we would double our attendance, no problem. And I would spend a lot of time and prepare for it. I'd have verses, and I'd read books, and kind of look at different ways to address the, the issue, and I'd ask other believers to come and, and give a testimony of how, you know, how it affected their dating life being a Christian. And then um, you know, present everything. I thought it would go really well, and then typically would have a question and answer time, right? And so, oh, we're gonna get some really good questions. Without fail, it was worded differently, but without fail, somebody would say, how far can I go? How far can I go? I always thought, I never told the students this, but I always thought that was the wrong question. The right question would be, how close can I get to Jesus? Right? How can I worship Jesus through my dating life? How can I worship Jesus every aspect of my life? So if I say that, but wouldn't it be okay with God if I just continue to stay home and watch videos as is convenient, 
Do I really need to attend a live church service to be a Christian? I think the better question is, what is best? That's number 12. What is best? Is it better for me to live out my faith in the company of others or by myself? Can I truly live out my faith solo, growing spiritually and maintain an active prayer life without the body of believers around me? And then maybe the last one is, what's the true heart behind me not attending church? The challenge of watching the service only online is that there's anonymity there that I don't think God intended. God wants us to be rubbing up against each other. Right? One of my favorite verses is Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It sounds really cool, right? You ever seen how iron against iron sharpens one another? Spark, 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 right? It's not all smooth. It's not all we just kind of go along. No, we're rubbing up against each other. We are, we are becoming better interacting with each other. It's like, it's like God's sandpaper, right? Making us smoother, right? Don't you think things about um, when Jesus went to synagogue, probably he was annoyed by stuff that went on? Not just the money changers, but, you know, this one's singing this way, and I don't like the way this one prays, and, you know, it's different, right? He didn't need to be better, but there's probably things that he noticed. We notice those things, but it's good for us because we become smooth, right? We become sharp. We're being sharpened by being with each other. Church can be messy and annoying and at times uncomfortable, but God designed it that way. He didn't tell us to go be hermits. And if we don't attend a church, we don't have the opportunities the church offers us to serve and be encouragements. And by the way, the, the condition the church is in, that's how Jesus died for the church, right? The, the, the first century church wasn't perfect, and neither is our church. It's not perfect, but Jesus died for her in that state, in that imperfect state. That's how much he loves her, and that's how much he loves us. Number 13 says, Jesus may not demand that I attend church, but that does not mean that he does not ask me to participate in one. For the good of his followers. I, want the, I don't want this to be a scolding. I want this to be an encouragement for everyone, for everyone in this room and everyone online, that there is a gift of the church that some of us are not taking full advantage of. And I would encourage us to consider that this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son here to redeem us personally and to start this institution of a church, to further your kingdom and to benefit those who follow you. I pray, Father, for every person that's hearing this this morning that they would be drawn to seek out community somehow, some way, whether it be here at Redemption or someplace else, whether it be in person or for those that are precluded from doing it in person through the technology that you've blessed us with. And Father, I pray that you would remove this pestilence that's happened over the world, 
this is laid directly at the enemy's feet. And I pray that you would remove this so your name may be glorified and your people would be able to return together in full force. And Father, I lift up any of those that are listening this morning that have not chosen to follow you. They are still walking away from the love of Jesus. I pray that they would start that turn. It might not happen in the next 10 minutes. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a big U-turn, but I pray that they would start that turn, that they would come back to you so they would fully understand how much you love them and fully understand the great blessings and benefit that are available being part of the body of people who love you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.